Hello, and welcome to your Beginner's Guide to Studio Ghibli, a, uh, a real phony spin-off. This is me, your host, Joseph, here with my wife, Valerie. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so part of our quarantine uh, uh, activities is we decided to go take on the entire catalog of the Studio Ghibli films uh, over the last... 25 weeks or so and we thought we'd share our results with you but one of the first things i guess we should get into is uh what are the studio ghibli films well as someone who's never heard or seen any of the films prior to this last 25 weeks um i've been describing them to people as sort of like the japanese disney i think that's a pretty common description yeah very fantastical and animated and lighthearted, mostly and they're they're family friendly, but not necessarily kids movies. Not all of them are super family friendly, but most of them are. I would say so that that's that's probably I think the most common descriptor is like Japanese Disney. I think it's close enough to kind of get you in the door. Uh, but I do think there are some pretty like notable differences as far as style. Um, you know, yeah. they're, they're more, I would say more original stories. They are actually, a lot of them are adapted from books, but they're, they're less fairy tale oriented and there's kind of less, uh, less clear, like hero villainy. They're, they're a bit more personal, uh, individual spiritual journeys at large, I think. Well, I mean, I think you could argue that for some of the Disney movies too, but I definitely think that they have, I mean, there's a lot of different maybe things that are more culturally different like in that they the some of the themes of the movies wouldn't correspond with the disney yeah i would i'd I'd say that's true um and there's definitely some recurring themes that we we might actually get into as we as we start going into the movies uh so if you uh have never seen any of them and you're just interested in finding out which order you should watch them you're that far but you just don't know where to start we're going to put rankings at the very end. I'll try to remember to put a timestamp, uh, but you can just skip ahead to that. But in the meantime, we're going to actually just go through each one and kind of, uh, what do you think? We do like, uh, you know, like must watch movies. So I want you to do them in chronological order. I am going to do them in chronological oh. order. We should also say that the entire canon can be found on HBO Max with the exception of two movies that we're going to talk about. One that is in the catalog uh, officially as a Ghibli film and one that is a Ghibli partnership that we um, added in. Correct. It's the only non-Japanese Ghibli film, though it's yeah. kind of non-language as a whole. Oh, the other thing that we should probably mention is that we did dive into these, I guess, wholeheartedly and watch them entirely in the Japanese with the subtitles um, because the translation of the movies is one of the things that has been previously, I guess, argued about. Sure. Uh, well, the, the... Or, like, that's part of... Yeah, not, not that... Uh... Any translations are probably done lightly, but there's there's a uh, a lot of care taken into both the the writing, the English translations for the subtitles and the the dubbed versions, and for the casting. There's a lot of star-studded cast in the English dub, so we watched it in, in the Japanese. But I, you know, I've seen several in the English dubs, and they're also really great. So you know, yeah, absolutely. Which uh, whichever whichever way floats your boat is uh, is good. Uh, so the first. I think movie that most people consider a Ghibli movie is not actually a Ghibli movie. Uh, it's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Uh, it was made in 1984. It was directed by Hayao Miyazaki, one of the founders of the studio. And it it kind of, it sets a lot of the tone for the rest of the movies, I think. Yeah, a lot of the same themes are repeated throughout the rest of the movies. Or a lot of similar themes, I guess I should say. I, I hesitate to call this one a post-apocalyptic movie, even though it's technically accurate, uh, just because I think that that evokes a lot of incorrect imagery that's set by things like The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's fair. Or, you know, other things of that, like The Road or something. Uh, Because it's really just, it's a world in which humans aren't necessarily the dominant force in the world anymore. Um, And it's it's such a creatively different imagining Mm -hmm. of that world, I think. Uh, it, it's really, it's really beautiful. It's where we kind of set again, like we said, a lot of the tropes that come up later in these movies. There's a, a young protagonist, usually a female. Uh, there's a lot of themes of uh, nature and connection with nature and, and humans' re- relationship to nature. Yes, 
and and also kind of as even though as we talked about there aren't necessarily as many direct heroes and villains in these movies uh where you know like there's not necessarily a good or bad guy um there is generally kind of a theme of uh you know industrialism and like human greed and ambition is bad even if mm-hmm. the people themselves aren't bad mm-hmm. uh and also the the first uh, appearance of flying in these movies which will it's recur very in almost all very pervasive <laughs> And actually, this was a good one to have watched in the middle of a pandemic because part of the movie is about, or I guess most of the premise of the movie is about this, like, was it Death Sea or something that they call it, where basically it's like this toxic forest of sorts that's sort of taking over the earth and the, the uh, to go into it, you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm interested. I know that you and I actually kind of fell on different, not necessarily different sides, but, you know, further apart than a lot of the other ones on this one. I think this one is is an absolute must watch one because it is it's the original one. I think it sets the tone really well, and I think it's just it, you know again if you want to have your definition of post apocalyptic change, it's just such a different and creative world uh, than anything else that I've seen that would that would kind of fall into that category. I mean, I didn't dislike this movie. I think it's farther down on my list than yours is. Um, I feel like it's very similar to another movie that we're going to talk about, Princess Mononoke, in the. Th- in the theme and vibe of the movie and that they're both saying that, you know, industrialism brings about disconnection from the earth and destruction um, and disconnection between humans as well. Um, And this movie, I think maybe because it was early made or maybe it's because it's, it's sort of entrenched in a lot of the things that make the Ghibli movie. You know, it's, it's very mystical. It's, it's got some weird animals in it. Um, I just feel like Mononoke is a little bit more accessible to people if you want the same sort of story. I don't know if we established this up front, but I was thinking we'd, uh, you know, I either call it a, a must watch, a, you know, it, it's it's up to you depending on how you like the rest of them, or you could just skip it. I don't know. Originally, when we were talking about doing this podcast, I said that the must watch would be like the first, like, five or ten. Mm-hmm. But I might go farther in that and agree with you and say maybe like the first... 12. I, I ranked this one number 11. So Fair enough. So after Nausicaa is actually the founding of Studio Ghibli, it's three animators, two of which who worked on uh, Nausicaa, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, who's kind of the Walt Disney mm-hmm. of, you know, the uh, the Japanese Disney, mm-hmm. though with, with, as far as I know, less anti-Semitism. <laughs> uh, and Toshio Suzuki, who was one of the animators on mm-hmm. uh, that movie. And uh, they recruited Isao Takahata, who made several of the movies in this catalog, which we'll get into. But the three of them created Studio Ghibli. The name Ghibli is, uh, it's an Arabic word, but it's, I think they picked it because it's the name of uh, an airplane engine. And Hayao Miyazaki really loves airplanes and flying, as we will find out as we keep going. Yes. But the the first technical Studio Ghibli film is Castle in the Sky, which is uh, about a young boy named Pazu who finds a uh, girl floating down from the sky uh, whose name is Lucita, but often goes by Shita. Yeah. And their kind of quest to find a mystical floating city. The uh, castle in the sky. The castle in the sky. To me, this one, it... it, it it's similar to Nausicaa, and it fits a lot of the, uh, you know, the Ghibli tropes. It's a pretty fun, like, fantastical kitty adventure. But it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't grab me. Comparatively to so many other ones on this list that are really, really good, this one is, I think, less. It just, it just doesn't stick with me the same way. So this was actually the first one that I watched ever. This mm-hmm. is the first one that we started with. And I actually think it was a good starting point because... And maybe this is the reason why we actually put it lower on our list after seeing more of them, because I feel like it is pretty straightforward of a story. There is actually sort of a bad guy in this one. It's sort of a quest to find the the lost castle in the sky, but it's also sort of a good and evil thing that they really don't do a lot of in the, in most of the films. And so I actually think it is a probably a pretty good place to start if you're not sure that you're going to like some of the class and uh, not classical features but you know i feel like a lot of the ghibli films are pretty out there for like the well if you've so, never been into if you've never watched any kind of anime and you you don't really know what that genre is like then i feel like this is a pretty safe starting bet because it's still whimsical and fun but it has a lot of the traditional what i would consider like 
like Disney movie setups where sure. it's like a bad guy and a good goodish guy and then they you know fight for the end for the lost thing and mm-hmm. I still I'm still gonna rank this one this one's up to you I don't think this one's an absolute must watch comparatively to a lot of the other ones but uh what do you think um I put this at the the very last one of my must watch okay so fair <laughs> enough but maybe like a good entry point sure um, and the next one on the list is uh, the first one directed by uh, Isao Takahata, one of the founders, which is Grave of the Fireflies. Oof. Yeah. Uh, it's it's based, it's a World War II story about uh, two orphans, essentially, just kind of trying to survive. And it's an older brother and a younger sister and the older brother trying to, I don't know, kind of make life fun and adventurous, even as they're, you know, in a real dark place in, you know, the real world. Uh, this is based off a book, which is based off a true story. Ugh, that makes it even worse. It is worse. Uh, look, I mean, I, th- I think it's a really well-made movie. I think it's a it's a compelling story, and it's a really like it's a really interesting perspective on war that we don't usually see in war movies. Well, that's true because it is the Japanese perspective of World War II, which isn't. That's the thing that I was most struck by because it's not something that we really talked or learned about in our. Yeah. Schooling. And it's also, instead of being kind of about, you know, like, the soldier's arc, you know, their their struggles and triumphs and whatever, it's kind of the impact on civilian life. Yeah. But with all that said, this movie is just kind of too sad to watch, I Man, think. the high point of the movie is literally the very beginning, and then it just, it just, it's downhill into a dark hole after that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would still say this one's up to you. It depends on how much of this stuff that you can stomach. I, I, it's just, it's so sad. I would skip this one entirely. <laughs> I just don't think it's, it's not why people come to movies like this. They don't want to see something that's sad. So, so, uh, I did, I haven't been doing the years, but this started, the, the studio started in the eighties, uh, Castle in the Sky was 86. They're actually pretty prolific. They're pretty good about yeah. almost one or one a year, one every two years for a long time. Uh, but this year, 1988, was two movies released in a double feature, Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro. I can't believe they put those two together. I know, it's wild. Uh, so this is, I think, it's one of their, almost their most iconic movies. It's uh, the, the Totoro is their uh, mascot, their image. Yeah, if you, if you see the label or mm-hmm. of Studio Ghibli, you'll see, the, you'll see Totoro yes. on the... This is a story about two young girls who are uh, living out in the country with their father uh, their mother is is sickened in the hospital, and they kind of go on this magical forest adventure with this giant, I don't know, almost teddy bear-like creature. Uh, it's like a forest spirit named Totoro. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think, the most kiddie kid movie in the sense that I think the youngest age could watch and enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think it is one of the most fun for everybody, and it was, for me, the one of all the ones that made me, like, I feel like it really made me feel like a child again rewatching it in like the in like the best warmest way. Well, and it does a really good job of highlighting things that are childhood like joys and worries that like in a way that's not trivial, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. But this one encompasses this is the first one of of the ones we've talked about that I feel like really encompasses the the just like the magical spiritual component of the Ghibli films. It's just to me the so fun about it. They're just things in the in the story that don't make sense at all and they're not explained and they don't they don't explain, you know, the marrying of those of the magical spiritual world and the regular world. It's all kind of entangled together and I don't know. It's just it's a good time. It is a good time. This is an this is my my very favorite uh movie, which is amazing because I hadn't watched it before we had done our our uh our marathon here. And uh, it, it it jumped right up to the top spot. I highly, highly recommend it. It's a must-watch. It's a must-watch for me, too. I think it's in the top five. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this is actually... They had a, a real real set of bangers uh, in the in the 80s and 90s, because immediately after, they followed up in 89 with Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one, too. A uh, story about a young witch uh, who, at 13, which is apparently the age that witches go on to be independent... <laughs> Leaves her her family and friends to go be a witch in her own town with her familiar Gigi. Yeah, and you know, kind of kind of runs into some more struggles than she anticipated. Uh, you know, settling in and kind of crafting her own place in her own world. But 
it's a it's a great story about you know like kind of youth and independence and i mean it's also a good story about like uh, isolation and loneliness there's definitely a theme of that over these films this also it's, it's one of the most beautifully animated to me mm-hmm. and it's of, of the, all the movies and there's a lot of movies that have flying in them and are about flying even tangentially this is the one that makes flying look the most fun to me yeah I get that. Not just on the broomstick, but there's like a hot air mm-hmm. or there's a blimp and some other things in, in it. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't really have a lot to add to this one. It's, it's, it's a good follow up to Totoro. It's just another adolescent kind of coming of age story that has still has some whimsical aspects to it and kind of that like, um, I mean, actually they're kind of good to watch back to back because I feel like it has less magical, because it um, also deals with some of the things that you struggle with when you're becoming a teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's still some elements of that, um, like, childlike joy in there. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. This is also very much a must-watch for me. It's one of my very favorite ones. Yeah, it's in my top five, too. Yeah. Uh, so the next one on here is uh, the second one from... from uh, we're going to see a theme with, with old director Takahata here, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, with Only Yesterday. Oh, man. Uh, which was apparently adapted from a set of stories that are, are like uh, kind of like childhood vignettes. Uh, the actual movie is a bunch of childhood vignettes of a young girl uh, named Taiko, who we, we've kind of threaded these together as her reminiscing as an adult about her childhood while taking like a, a farm vacation. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, she goes to pick saffron. Yep. Uh <laughs> It's terrible. It's so boring. It's, it's the, <laughs> so it, boring. It's a spectacularly boring movie. Uh, Takahata, all of his movies, a lot of his movies anyway. Nothing happens. Yeah, it just always feels like something is going to happen and then it never does. It's literally the last one on both of our lists. Yeah. Don't watch it. Just skip it. it just absolutely skip this one. It is not worth anybody's time. <laughs> uh, so the next one is uh, uh, another Miyazaki film uh, about flying. It's uh, called Porco Rosso. <laughs> Uh, it is a it is about a uh, a pilot who is uh, a pig. Well, see, it's funny because it's not really about that. It's about a, no, it's not. He's but a, he is a pig. Yeah, he's like a World War Two ace that's now kind of like a, a pilot for hire who fights pirates and blah blah blah. And it's really just about him being kind of this wayward pilot ace guy without a purpose now that he's not in a war anymore. But also, he's a pig. I don't. There's not really a good reason for it. It's not really resolved or it's never dealt explained. with. It's just. It's just what it is. You really liked this. One. I think this one was really fun. I, it's. It's. Uh, if you've ever seen the uh, the Disney show Tailspin, and you just like the idea of Tailspin, you'll like this movie. I think it's a fun world. Yeah, because they kind of can only get everywhere by plane, and it's. I don't know the the, the world is kind of cool, but I just really didn't feel like the story won't. That's, anywhere that's fair. it was a little slow for me it's it's just got a bunch of biplanes and dog fights and you know it's sky yeah. pirates and it's just it's a lot of fun the sky pirates are always fun yeah there's sky pirates in castle of the sky too. there are yeah so i think uh i think this one's up to you honestly this is probably yeah it's in my up to you category as well but if uh, you're into the flying thing you might want to check it out yeah uh so the next one on the list is is kind of another anomaly in the uh the ghibli catalog it's a movie called ocean waves and it's the uh the First one directed not by one of the studio heads, um, and it was actually kind of a collaborative effort by a bunch of the young animators who got together and put a project together. Uh, and there's a reason that they only did this once because it was not good. It's not terrible. It's so it's it's a uh, it's a story of kind of just like adolescence. You know, it's a bunch of high schoolers. There's a love triangle between two boys, uh, and a young girl, and the young girl's kind of. Ooh, I don't know how to describe what she is. Bratty? Well, sure. I, I was going to say uh, flighty, erratic. I don't know. She's just kind of in and out in weird spots. Just kind of a strange presence. I mean, I think it captures a lot of the weirdness of of relationships in high school and like that age when you don't really, you haven't really built your community yet. And so you don't really know what your community is. But it's it's just a little too nostalgic for me. Not quite enough happens. It's uh, it's not my favorite one. I I'd skip this one. I'd skip it too. I don't know. I, I feel like yeah. 
I just feel like it highlights all of the negative parts of growing or of like being in high school and not any of the positive. Aspects. But you see, I think I think it kind of it does that. It highlights them, but it also like looks on those negative aspects kind of wistfully. Yeah, like you want to go back there, and I don't want to go back there. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> uh, I've had enough teenage angst for one lifetime. Yeah, it is the most angsty of the whole. For thing. sure. Uh, the next one, 94, uh, is Pompoko, another one by Takahata. Strange. It's strange. So this one is about, uh, this one also requires a little Japanese context, a Japanese raccoon mm-hmm. uh, called a tanuki, which uh, apparently in Japanese lore has shape-shifting abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the premise of this, you know, kind of in traditional fashion is humans' industrialization is taking away the tanuki's home so that they, they have to reclaim their shape-shifting abilities to try and scare off or, you know, however, get the humans out of their space. Man, the premise of this one was so good. I loved the whole shape-shifting thing. It was really fun to watch them shape-shift and, like, try to... And then nothing happened. Yeah, nothing happened. literally nothing happened. And it was way too long yeah. for nothing to happen. It's a, it's a skip one for me. It's, it's yeah, fun, I, I towards the bottom of my lift. You can see a theme with this director. Yeah, this one also has a bunch of raccoon testicles. Yeah, all the raccoons have testicles. It's, it's, and they expand. Yeah, they, they, they have special shape-shifting abilities. <laughs> it's really it's, weird. <laughs> it's not the most kid-friendly one, despite the fact that it's a bunch of animated raccoons. So the next one on the list is an, another one of the uh, directorial uh, anomalies. It's directed by a, a guy named uh, Yoshifumi Kondo, who created Whisper of the Heart. This is the movie. This is... Did he do The Cat Returns also? No. So he was actually... That's why. He was actually being groomed to be kind of one of the, the later directors for this, but he actually died very shortly after this oh, movie... Oh, no way. I didn't know uh, that. ...came out unexpectedly. So this is this is also kind of a teenage story, but a little less, I think, uh, angsty and nostalgic. It's uh, kind of a coming-of-age story yeah. of a young girl named uh, Shizuku, who kind of falls for this guy named Seiji and they both kind of have their passions. He wants to be, I think, a violin maker. Mm-hmm. And she wants no, to... No, it's like a cello maker. Well, it might be violin. Yeah. And she wants to be a writer, but kind of her seeing other people being impassioned about, you know, seeing Seiji being impassioned about violin making and other people impassioned about the things that they're passionate about made her want to prove that she could do things herself. Um, and that was kind of her her impetus in in starting writing and, and wanting to become a writer. And so it's like it's kind of about the love story, but it's also kind of about like I don't know her sense of of ambition and wanting to like make the best out of herself, seeing that other people make the best out of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Take Me Home Country Roads a lot in English, uh, in English and in Japanese. It's fine. I mean, I put it at the end of my like. It's up to you. It's yeah. not a bad story. It's. I, I think it's on the slower end of things. I really much enjoy the like fantastical elements, and this one doesn't really have any of those. So it's just more of a coming-of-age tale. Yeah. And some people, that's really their jam. Definitely. I also went into this one thinking that it was going to be more fantastical, so that's probably why it's lower on my list, because I didn't they have the right ac- expectation, because the sequel of this one is entirely different. Yeah, they're, they're, the cover art is uh, misleading. Yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, 1997, is another Miyazaki film, uh, which is Princess Mononoke, which, as Val mentioned up top, has a lot of, I think, it's a spiritual, uh, maybe not successor, but companion to Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Also to Pocahontas. It's it's not Pocahontas, but it's a lot of the same. Oh, I don't know. Okay, maybe not the same. It's, to me, that's like the most disney-esque alignment sure. is between those two movies because you can't really align any of the other ones this is i think uh, the most i think unusually structured it's definitely kind of the most loose as far as you know we talked about there's not good guys or bad guys the morality in this movie is i think very complicated mm-hmm. um intentionally so uh it, it starts with this is it's in a feudal japan it starts with uh our protagonist ashitaka who is just kind of he's part of a village and the village gets attacked by an angry spirit monster uh which leads him on this whole journey to discover that uh a town of steel workers who are making guns and weapons and, and other steel works 
uh, is destroying the local environment and the spirits of the forest. So that local environment are kind of at war with this, you know, iron making town. And, uh, you know, he's really just everyone's fighting each other and he's just constantly there to, to keep everybody from fighting each other. Uh, you know, he meets the the lady of the town lady eboshi who is you heading know, the steel heading the steel but but you know again is is providing a lot of jobs and and uh help offering opportunities for like lepers and things to have work and have a place uh but then on the other side he meets princess mononoke which her name is actually san we'll get into that in a second uh but she is a human raised by a wolf spirit mm-hmm. um, who is fighting ardently to protect this forest from you know the iron workers and the other humans out there uh, and it's, it's, yeah, I remember watching it several years ago now, and I didn't really like it then. I don't know why. You know, you really didn't want to watch it again. Because it, it really, I really think it, it connected with me the second time. I mean, the animation in this is gorgeous. The the story is really different and compelling, I think. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it's it's interesting to see it from everybody's perspective. Yeah, because I guess I, maybe I should say it's like, a, it's definitely a more complex version than Pocahontas. Because in po- Pocahontas, yeah. it's like, there's a definite good and bad. And this one, there's, it's a lot of gray area. And you, you can see all the perspectives. And you can see how the filmmakers, I guess, are asking kind of the question, like, how can you respect the environment, but also use things from the environment to create jobs and sustain you know, human mm-hmm. existence and what's the balance between that. I, the deer spirit is so awesomely animated, I think, though. <laughs> there, I mean, I it's think... It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it's really it's really one of the most beautifully animated films. I think there's a compelling case to uh, to say that this is the the best Ghibli film. You know, it's not for me just because I, I felt more of an emotional connection to, like, you know, like I said, uh, Totoro and Kiki's, but I think... Just just on scope and ambition, I think this is probably one of their grandest works. So this is a must-watch for me. Yeah, it's definitely a must-watch. It's, it's in my top five. I think it's a good movie. Uh, we're going to follow that up with one of the worst ones, uh, which is My Neighbor the Yamadas. Oh, my God. It's based on a, a comic strip, a Japanese comic strip, and it's essentially just a bunch of animated comic strips strung together. It's real long. Also, it, nothing happens. Also, nothing happens, directed by uh, Takahata. Uh it's a, it's just skip it. It's not worth anybody's time. No. And I really don't like the animation in that one either. It's it's different. Uh, I, you know, I don't like it. That's fair. We're <laughs> we're gonna round out a good sandwich with a bad middle. Uh, with uh, probably one of their most famous, definitely most uh, accoladed uh, films, which is 2001: Spirited Away. It's my favorite. I think it won the best. Uh, this is the first like non-American, but also the first Ghibli film to win an Oscar. I believe. Oh, really? It, I, believe I feel like if, if people have heard about Ghibli, it's probably because they've heard about this movie. I think so, too. It's the story of a young girl uh, whose name is uh, Chihiro, who gets dragged along with her parents to what appears to be uh, in a, like an abandoned uh, town. Yeah, kind of town. Uh, but springs to life at night with all these spirits and ghouls and, and creatures and all this kind of stuff. And she just gets swept up in this kind of just nutty adventure in, in uh, this spirit bathhouse, all while trying to essentially just get back home. But And get her parents back. Yeah, but, humans. but it's, it's also, you know, despite the fact that kind of the central driving force of the movie is kind of her like getting out escape this one is also very much i think you know kind of like a, a coming of age independence kind of story but also it's about like it, it very much is central on like her kindness impacting the world around her yeah i mean it's sort of like a grand epic to some degree yeah. it's just it's very like i don't know to me this one encompasses all the things that i really like about the ghibli films it's it's magical and whimsical it's it's very spiritual it doesn't explain any of it it doesn't give you any explanation for any of the spirits or why they're there or anything and which i which drives some people crazy but i actually really like um and it's yeah like you said it's it's her kindness and the kind and this is a um theme i think throughout most of the ghibli films is that in that there isn't really a bad guy and you can kind they kind of do a good job of seeing the humanity in all sides of it's not just the protagonist is good or the protagonist is kind but you start to see um how other people's experiences or past has impacted them um and and yeah you just see like the humanity of everybody else and so then they they stop when they at first look like they're bad or they are scary then they become something other than that um 
And I don't know, it's, yeah, it's kind of, we've talked about it before, but sort of like transforming the world through kindness instead of through violence, which I feel like a lot of the American films are based on conquering your enemy and not transforming or understanding your enemy. Mm. I know this one, I believe, is at the top of your list. It is. Spirited Away. I, this is definitely, you know, this is an absolute must-watch in the catalog. If if you're feeling ambitious, which I honestly, I think you would have been fine with this, but I think this is also a good, I mean, it's a good place to start. It's a pretty high bar to set, uh, but it's a really, really excellent film. Uh, it, it It is less conventional, you know. It's, it's very it, unconventional. Yeah, I mean, so. I think if you, like, because my brother hated this film, mm-hmm. and but I think if if you had, if you had started at a different spot where things were maybe more linear and also like more explained, then you could have worked up to this. So the next one on the list is actually the only sequel in, in all twenty three movies, uh, which is the that's cat. Hardly a sequel. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's the cat returned. It's kind of a sequel to Whisper of the Heart, but it's only a sequel in the Very sense loosely. that the Whisper of the Heart. There's a fictional character that's a cat in a top hat. Uh, and it's in, a statue. It is a statue of a cat. figurine. Yeah, really. yeah. Uh, and the Baron. The Baron. And uh, in this movie, it is a real character, uh, and it it takes a young girl, Chizuru, on just kind of a grand adventure through uh, I don't know this kind of cat world. Man, this is one that we were had very different uh, rankings on. I went into this movie thinking I was going to hate it, as, not hate it, but dislike it as much as I disliked whisper of the heart and it was so much fun i loved this movie it's entirely fantastical (laughs) it's super duper fantastical (laughs) it's uh you know it's silly it's fun it feels i mean it's uh it's structured a lot like something like the princess bride but with cats and appropriately the american uh, casting for the baron is carrie ellis who played uh wesley in the Princess Bride. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It, it's fun. It wasn't spectacular to me. It's not it's, it's not a must-watch for me, but I know you ranked it higher than I did. I did. I think it's really, really fun. And I don't know. I would I, I put it in my must-watch must category. Fair enough. Uh, so the next one is probably, uh, if it wasn't spirited, a lot of other people's entry point to the, uh, to the Ghibli world, uh, which is Howl's Moving Castle. Also directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It's adapted from a book, and it's about a young girl who gets cursed to look like an old woman and kind of goes on this magical adventure with a sorcerer named Howl trying to trying to get turned back, but also there's a lot of other stuff going on. It's also a complicated movie. It's funny to me that this is a lot of people's entry point because this is, I think... The least explained movie in all of the ones that we watched. I I mean, this one and Spirited are my top two favorites. And I would say both of them are very, very unexplained. For sure. And to me, that's part of what makes them so wonderful. No, I think think that's great. (laughs) But it's just funny to me because it's... uh, I'm I'm surprised that a movie kind of as opaque as this one yeah. became so many people's favorite. But it is. I mean, may- maybe it's exactly it's the reason that yeah, you like they it. Never, it's, <laughs> they just leave some things without... A lot of things, yeah. yeah. But it's just, it's it's very fantastical. Uh, you know, it, there's there's uh, a lot of action and adventure and, you know, a little romance. It's, uh, it, I don't know, it, it's a really good one. Yep. I uh, would definitely watch this one. Yeah, this is also, I think, a must-watch. Uh, so the next one is actually kind of a maligned within the the catalog entry, which is Tales from Earthsea, directed by Hayao Miyazaki's son, Goro Miyazaki, who I should be clear about. Uh, although Hayao Miyazaki seems like generally a pretty nice grandfathery figure for the world, uh, does not seem to think his son has a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean, this was one of those ones that like we both were kind of dreading going into it because it's on a lot of other lists. Very low. Very low. And so I was just like, oh, man, it's going to be another, like, just slog to get through it. And I think we we're both pleasantly surprised. I think so, I mean, too. It's not in the top rating for either one of us. And so it probably would fall into, like, you know, decide for yourself kind of thing. But I thought it was a really good story. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels, I think, one of the ones that feels the least like a Ghibli film. Uh, this feels a lot more to me like an 80s, like, Disney film, like a Black Cauldron or like a, a sword in the stone or something. Yeah, sword. I get sword in the stone. Yeah. Uh, but it it's you know as far as like plot wise, it's a very just loose combination of like Star Wars and kind of Lord of the Rings. 
and a Wars. and a little bit of Lion, the Wish, and the Wardrobe thrown in there. So kind of all of your 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 big fantasy uh, triumvirate there just mashed together in a Japanese film. Uh, yeah, I, I think this one is is plenty enjoyable. I, I I think it's it's a lot better than people give it credit for. I think I it's, it's, it's a pretty fun watch overall. Yeah, it's a good time. It's nothing mind blowing, but it's it's. I mean, it's entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so I say, you know, it's up to you, but I definitely think, uh, if especially if you've heard anything else about it, just give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is one of Miyazaki's last films, actually, uh, which is his adaptation of The Little Mermaid, uh, Ponyo. It's about, the you know, a little fish girl named Ponyo who uh, falls in love with a human boy whose name is oh, uh, Sosuke. And she essentially uh, steals magic, I guess, to, to try and turn herself into a little girl so that they can be together. Um, and a lot of the story is she kind of threw off the balance of the sea in, in turning herself into a little girl. And her father, who's like some kind of, I don't know, sea wizard, uh, is also, you know, trying to get her back. It's, it's a strange interpretation, I think, of the original material. It's not, I don't feel like it's as magical as it should be. I don't feel like I liked it as much as I should have. You didn't it's, like this one very much. It's still, I mean, it's still good. I just, I don't know. Like for, I feel like with all the pieces in place, I should have enjoyed it more than I did. I really liked this one. It's on the upper part of my list again, because it's very fantastical. But, you know, a lot of the themes you can see in the Ghibli films is that they very much like there's a lot of interaction with nature and a lot of interaction with nature as spirit, which I really enjoy. And I don't know the whole like the way that the water moved in this one and the like the fish and the I don't know, even her transformation. Like, I thought that was all really. Yeah, the animation in this one is really gorgeous, I think. Yeah, I liked this one. I put it on my must-watch list. I'll put it on. It's up to you. But, uh, you know, it's a Miyazaki film. You really uh, can't go wrong with Miyazaki. You can't. The next one on the list, 2010, Secret World of Arietti, uh, or just Arietti. It is another adaptation. The Borrowers. Yeah. Miyazaki apparently has always wanted to, to adapt The Borrowers, but ironically, he did not direct this one. This one is directed by uh, Hiramasa Yonogashi, who... It's a really pretty movie. Gosh, it's so pretty. They really took a lot of time and effort into crafting the small world, like the grass and the yeah. flower. Like, everything just, just seems wondrous from, like, that different scale. And I wish that there was enough, as much, like, love and care taken in the rest of the story as was crafted in the animation of it. It's not my favorite one. It's fine. I, th I think... I think uh, you actually have this one pretty low. I don't... This one is in my top 10. I... It's in your top 10? It's number 10. Oh. I... Mostly because I'm just always been fascinated with, like, I guess the borrower-esque, like, small people. There was a book I read one time about fairies that was, like, small fairies. That, I don't know. I just love that, like... Something about that concept is really fascinating to me, and I just thought it was really beautifully done. I, I could have used a little bit more. I feel like it kind of fell flat at the end. Yeah. But I also feel like they could have left it for a sequel, and they didn't. They didn't follow up with it, which would have made it better. <laughs> I also like. I don't. I don't really like the the boy she falls in love with. I think he's kind of creepy. And also the uh, this one is another one where there's like a clear hero villain dynamic, which I didn't care for as much well they never really explain the the um like in the other clear villain with in castle in the sky i feel like they explain to you why yeah. he why he's on that why he's become evil i guess and they don't really ever give you the reason for why the lady wants to kill the small little people yeah so fair enough uh it's it's a, up to you for me but i put it in my must watch uh the next one is the uh other goro miyazaki film which uh, is another another book adaptation uh, from Up on Poppy Hill. It's a uh, a teenage love story. Um, I don't know how much. I don't think I can get into pretty much any other things besides that without going into spoilers. It's the most interesting love story I have ever. Sure. I mean, there's like a weird twist in it that you're not expecting. It's cute. I I think it's uh you know it's it's a teenage romance. With uh, with some added complication. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's and this was another one that, you know, we had kind of like shied away from because we got we it got bad reviews. But you and I both put it higher up on our list. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have it's not in my must watch category, but it definitely it's in the like it's up to you component where I wouldn't tell you to 
not watching. For sure. I think I think it's a very breezy 90 minutes, uh, this one, so uh, I recommend it. And the next one on the list is actually the last, theoretically last, uh, Miyazaki film, which is appropriate, called The Wind Rises. It's a semi-historical story about a, uh airplane designer named Jiro Hirokoshi, Horikoshi, who it's just kind of about his life designing airplanes. Uh, it's during World War II, right, right before World War II. Yeah, okay, because it's yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's right before World War II. It's about designing airplanes. There's also a love story in it. This one is very much also just a a direct analogy metaphor for animation creation. This is this is essentially Jiro Horikoshi in this movie is Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, you know, I didn't love this one. Yeah, it, it's it, to me, this one reminded me a lot of something, a movie like The Irishman, which is to me, uh, Scorsese's like victory lap film. This is Miyazaki's victory lap film of him just being self-indulgent. Here's a bunch of planes. Here's a very thinly veiled allegory about how important creators are and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, it is a true story about the guy who created a, the Japanese like bomber. Something like, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that part of it to me was interesting because I had never really like knew anything about that. And it, it has a lot of information, I guess, about building planes. <laughs> sure. But when you compare it to all these other like bright and wondrous movies it seemed kind of yeah. dull and this one this one is is up to you again it it's a well earned victory lap movie to me so if if you're down for a victory lap movie then go for it uh but you know if if it if it didn't have the context associated with it as far as you know it's a Miyazaki film it's Miyazaki's last film blah 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 i would probably say skip it but it's on my it's teetering on the edge of my up to you to sure, don't yeah, yeah. watch. Though <laughs> <laughs> uh, related to that, uh, we get to uh, Isayo Takahata's last film, which is uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is based... Oh my gosh. <laughs> which is based on a, uh, a famous Japanese folk tale called uh, The Bamboo Cutter, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Man, this is one of those movies that like starts out and you're like, like oh, this is going to be so exciting. He finds this like girl in the bamboo... It's going to be so fun and then just like crash and burn, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another one. It's a lot about the, a rural bamboo cutter and his wife find a fully formed uh, princess in uh, a shoot of bamboo and raise her. And it's, it's a lot of them trying to like make a life for her that they think that she like is fitting for how special she is. And it's most of the movie is kind of like the push and pull of of like what they think the life that they think that she should have versus the life that she might want it just ends in torment yeah it's 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 a long movie of torment uh and it, again it's it, same director it feels a long time like something's gonna happen and, and then nothing, nothing does. does so just uh, skip all of that guy's films yeah i mean grave of the firefly is the only one that i'd say maybe but uh, it is really beautiful. The animation style in this one is really neat, I think. Uh, but it's long and it, nothing happens. Uh, so the next one is another Yonobayashi film. Same guy who did Arietti. Came in, out in 2014 called When Marnie Was There. We both really liked this one. We did. Also based on a book, which is funny because it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's a European or American book. Because uh, the, the main characters' names are Anna and Marnie, but all the supporting cast names are Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this is, ooh, I don't know what to describe this is. It's a, a story about kind of a, a socially awkward girl who makes a friend who may or may not be a ghost. And she is very aware may or may not be a ghost, but doesn't seem to care. Uh, and it's just kind of about like their friendship. And, and I don't really know. I don't know how to describe exactly what this movie is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good description of it. Yeah, again, I mean, they don't really explain the marrying of like the the spirit ghost world and the human world. But I don't know. It is, it's a beautiful story about like, I mean, I feel like she's lonely and sort of lost and then, you know, has a friend and comes into her own and is changed by that. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, again, I think, I think loneliness and isolation is definitely a theme in a lot of these movies. I feel like I'm having a hard time selling this movie as much as I enjoyed it. Uh, based on the premise but you know it is it is 
you know, a self-discovery it's heartwarming. story. Yeah, it is. It's, it's heartwarming. A, it's amazingly heartwarming yeah. based on the description that I just gave you. Um, it's also incredibly gorgeous. It's animated. really, really beautiful. Same again, same guy did Arietti, took all of the, the beauty of that movie and turned it into a better movie, to me, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's rated higher for me, too. Uh, I think this one's an absolute must watch. This is uh, one of my favorite non Miyazaki films. Yeah, I, I ranked it in my must watch, too. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to the final film, which is uh, the only non-Japanese Studio Ghibli film. They co-produced it with a French production uh, company. It's called The Red Turtle. It's uh, the story of a man who is seemingly shipwrecked and uh, gets stuck on a, a desert island. And it's just kind of his survival story. He tries to escape. There's a whole thing with a red turtle who tries to keep him from escaping and just a a strange, magical, but beautiful story comes from that. This is like, there's literally no talking in this movie. And I've never watched, and it's not silent. It's not a silent film. There are are sounds, but they don't talk and to each other or really at all. And I've never, like, it... It does make you feel a lot of things without even, like, without any words. Yeah. And, I, I mean, that's the thing that, to me, I mean, it makes you feel a lot of things without any words. But to me, I don't even necessarily feel like I understand what the movie was trying to tell me. <laughs> I know. Uh, they don't explain any of it. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily understand why I felt the way that I did when I watched it. But I, like, I was very emotionally affected by this movie. Uh, I think it's, it's like, stunningly gorgeous, the animation. I think they, they do such an incredible job. Uh, telling, you know, like you said, like telling the story through these these small moments, through these small gestures, where like the word, like you're not missing anything by not having the words. No, and in fact, it's like I think that's the thing that makes it to me like more poignant about mm. is that there isn't the words to cover up. I don't know. I mean, like there's such a range of emotion there too. You know, like I mean, when he's shipwrecked, you really get that like sense of like isolation and despair, and then when the red turtle comes up, and you get like this like fear, but also like curiosity and then you know as the movie goes along i it really you know i think you get like feelings of um loneliness but then also deep companionship and the need for like adventure and the need like there's so much Mm -hmm. things that you feel in your normal everyday life by like that is also incited by these like really small moments or can be anyways I think this is a really powerful movie it's it's one of my favorites i put it on the must watch i put it on the must watch list too uh, but that is that is up to date with the Ghibli films. These are all the ones that are available again on uh, on HBO Max, with the exception of Grave of the Fireflies, which is on Hulu, and the Red Turtle, which I think you just have to rent. Or do you have any other any other closing thoughts that you wanted to get into? I don't know. It was really fun. I mean, it was we had a really good time going through all of them. You know, obviously some of them we would say you could probably. You could skip. Get away with You could definitely it, yeah. get away without seeing them. But, you know, if you are, if you ever thought you might want to try it, quarantine is a great time to venture into it. new worlds. And, you know, I mean, we were stuck at home and it kind of does make you feel like you have gone to these other places because mm-hmm. a lot of these movies are so fantastical. And the, I mean, to me, the amazing thing is, you know, we, we've kind of separated, you know, this list along some arbitrary lines. But aside from the ones that I think we're explicitly saying, skip Uh, every single other one of them is an enjoyable experience you know like you're gonna have a good time with pretty much all of these movies even within i think a really solid catalog there's you know what do we think probably like 10 ish movies that are just i think really exceptional uh fabulous fabulous films that i'd recommend to anybody yeah and i mean the great part is that they are for the most part family friendly and so you can watch them with your kids or your you know extended family or Mm -hmm. whatever or just like us you can watch it by yourself as grown adults (laughs) i'll be honest with you on your friday night it's pretty fun to have a uh you know to work through the whole catalog but that's that's also up to you so yeah i think we're gonna finish up we're gonna do our actual ranking so if if you just want to know what order or you know if i just want to hit the very best ones whatever whatever your reasoning is we're gonna give you our rankings of what we think the best ones are uh so and they vary. Uh, there's a lot of similarities in their rankings, but they do vary. Um, Joseph is a lot more versed in the anime world than I was prior to coming into these movies. Um, although I had seen some anime 
prior to this, but you probably had a lot more like context for for like Ghibli and Miyazaki and and all of this stuff than I did coming into it. So take those into consideration. Yeah, no, I think I think that is a good note. Uh, so for me, the very number one movie is Totoro, and just going down the list from from one to twenty three, it's uh, Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, uh, Princess Mononoke, The Red Turtle, Nasca of the Valley of the Wind. Uh, and when Marnie was there, and for me, all every single one of those is like excellent. I would I would recommend them to anybody. I would stand behind them. I think they're just fabulous, fabulous films. Uh, below that, there's still really good films: uh, Porco Rosso, Castle in the Sky, The Cat Returns, Ponyo uh, from Up on Poppy Hill, Tales of Earthsea, The Secret World of Arietti, Whisper of the Heart. The Wind Rises and Grave of the Fireflies. And I'm going to say that's probably the cutoff for beyond this. You can skip. Uh, honestly, you could skip from The Wind Rises down if you're really feeling like it's not your thing. But after that is Ocean Waves, uh, Princess Kaguya, Pompoko, My Neighbors the Yamadas, and Only Yesterday. Uh, all of those are, are just, I don't think you need to watch them, but that's up to you. Okay, so my list, starting with... Um, number one and going down is uh, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, The Cat Returns, When Marnie Was There, Ponyo, The Red Turtle, and Secret World of Arietti. I would say all of those would be a good time. Um, they're all on the top of my must-watch. That's the first 10. Just really enjoyable films. I tend to lean a lot more towards the mystical and whimsical than joseph does so a lot of those to me are just i don't know they're really good time um then i would say nausicaa of the valley of the wind castle in the sky poppy hill earth sea pocoroso and the wind rises those would be my it's up to you both all those films i think are good um there's weren't as whimsical as the other ones but um they're a good time and the ones i would say that you don't need to spend your time with would be whisper of the heart Pompoko, Ocean Waves, Grave of the Fireflies, Princess Kagawa, Yamadas, and Only Yesterday. Very good. So uh, I hope I hope that uh, any or all of this has been a guide for you. If you have even the slightest interest in these movies, uh, you know we really enjoyed them. We we recommend them very highly. Uh, but I would say, if, even though if you're if you're not sure, start with one of the top ones on this list and give it a shot, and uh, you know. See how you feel from there. Yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let us know if we should review another canon of <laughs> <laughs> We need a new quarantine activity. <laughs> Give us another 25 weeks. Uh, but yeah, uh, this, isn't, this isn't technically a real phonies episode, but if you do want to tell us how you feel about a, uh, a Ghibli film, you can email us at realphonies at gmail.com or uh, say something on Facebook uh, at realphonies or Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks, darling, for uh, for coming on with me. Thanks and for doing... having me, your first lady, for yeah. on the podcast. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll see you guys after we finish the next catalog of movies. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. <laughs>